0: This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Ah, yes, a Victory Monday edition of the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Good to be hanging out after a long weekend of lots of food for Thanksgiving that culminates with a Sunday win for our Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27-9 over those San Francisco 49ers. I am your humble and well-fed host and uh, you can't see me but I am smiling right now on the podcast after the Buccaneers snap their losing streak get a fourth win of the season and we've got much to go over there were lots of highlights from Sunday history making highlights for the franchise on Sunday and victory is always a good thing especially when we head to the month of December coming up and the five games that remain in the NFL regular season the Carolina Panthers will be the opponent coming up this week. It'll be the second of three home games. We're going to say this several times. Huge next two weekends now for the Bucks. Dare I say, listen, you got to win games. And the only thing you can do is win the next one. The Bucs have won a game with San Francisco that puts them now at 4-7 and seven on the season. You win next week, you now are lurking around the playoff conversation. That's next week. What we have for you on this edition of the podcast is a recap of the win over the 49ers with highlights upcoming uh, from Jameis Winston, who returned to the starting lineup, Mike Evans, Jason Pierre-Paul, a record-setting Sunday, the number 1 pick, Vita Veya making one impact uh, play after another on Sunday. So there's a lot to go over there. Then we'll go inside that locker room. You'll hear from some of those Buccaneers that were able to make some things happen on Sunday in this matchup uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. And then a special guest will be here. Looking forward to talking with former Buccaneer great, now Fox Sports broadcaster, Rondé Barber. He and Kenny Albert were on the television call of the Buccaneers' win over the 49ers. And this is only fitting because Rondé has recently been named a Hall of Fame semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the second consecutive year, one of the 25 guys to make it to the final ballot. He's as decorated a Buccaneer as there is. I mean, we're going to go over this in the conversation with him. Nobody has played more games in Buccaneer history than Rondé Barber. No one has started more games than Rondé Barber. No one has more interceptions then 2-0, no one has more defensive touchdowns than the guy that we're going to talk to on Nothing But bucks. But I I will talk to him about the Hall of Fame, but I want to hear more about what he saw coming off of Sunday out of the Bucks, out of Jameis Winston, uh, the offense getting rolling about uh, Vita Veya and how well he played in this game. Jason Pierre-Paul and the the attitude that he brings, the Buccaneer defense in general with that pass rush. So again, Rondé Barber with us as the podcast rolls on here on Nothing But Bucks. So that kind of sets the uh, the stage for what happened on Sunday and what we're looking forward to over the next five games again, beginning with Carolina at home. The second of three home games will be coming this Sunday at Raymond James Stadium at 1 o'clock. Let's get into the highlights here of the game on Sunday where the Bucks came in limping. There's no question Uh, about that Tampa Bay on a four-game losing streak went back to Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback well-documented story during the week that after the way Winston played in the second half of the game with the Giants the narrow 38-35 loss where Winston led not one not two not three but four touchdown drives in the second half it made sense to go back to the former number one overall pick the 49ers, meanwhile, came in off a bye week. They had gone to a third-string quarterback in Nick Mullins, a former quarterback at Southern Miss, a quarterback that played for Todd Munkin, the Bucks' offensive coordinator, when Munkin was the head coach at Southern Miss. And so... Mullins had won a game on a Thursday night with the San Francisco 49ers and the Oakland Raiders, had then lost on the Monday night football game when Eli Manning and the Giants uh, rallied in the final minutes to win that game. So the San Francisco had the week off. This would be Mullins' first road game. And so we get into these highlights here, and right off the bat for the Buccaneers, they're able to get a stop of Mullins. The Bucs had the ball first and had to punt on a three and out, but they're able to get a stop on Mullins. Uh, Actually, there was a strip sack in the backfield by Carl Nassib, Uh, Nassib uh, able to knock the ball out Bucks couldn't fall on it So it ends up that San Francisco has to punt They punt And the Buccaneer offense gets rolling On their second possession Taking over at the 27-yard line The big play A long play to Mike Evans For 42 yards down the near sideline On third and eight as Winston looked good with that deep ball uh, down the right sideline. It eventually put the Bucks down at the San Francisco 18. Uh, then Peyton Barber slammed down for 14 yards inside the five-yard line. And two plays later, our first of the highlights, Winston looking for a familiar target.
1: Winston in the shotgun with Jaquiz Rogers on his right hip. Here's the snap he's going to throw. Looks toward the end zone, flushed out of the pocket. He's flushed. He throws a ball downfield. Pump ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. It's Cameron Braith.
0: Love me some Cameron Braith, the former undrafted player out of Harvard. Kudos to him on the catch just keeping it alive in the back of the end zone you'll hear him talking about that touchdown in a little bit here on nothing but bucks as he stayed alive as winston scrambled it's a two-yard touchdown and the buccaneers now with a seven nothing lead based on a seven play 73 yard drive and really as the first quarter unfolded both teams having possessions but the buccaneers defense playing with the lead able to stymie the 49ers Uh, over and over again in that first quarter. In fact, they forced San Francisco to punt the football three times uh, in that first quarter. Now, finally, the 49ers uh, able to get something going here in the second quarter of the game. Mullins puts together a couple of good passes. They end up going 79 yards in nine plays, and that results in San Francisco's lone touchdown of the game.
1: And Breeder goes in motion, so the backfield is empty for quarterback... Nick mullins here's the snap mullins pressure coming it's a pass on caught ball at the five yard line to the three two one touchdown dante pettis big six foot one inch second year receiver out of washington
0: mullins to dante pettis for 13 yards on that touchdown pulled the 49ers within one but then veteran kicker robbie gold missing the extra point off the right upright He's been one of the most reliable kickers in the NFL for going on uh, close to 15 years with the Chicago Bears and now with the 49ers. So the extra point miss means the Buccaneers maintain the lead. Hey, here's a hint on Nothing But Bucks. It's a lead that the Bucks never relinquished in this game and continued to build on. Uh, the Bucks get the ball back, go on a march themselves. 12 plays, 53 yards. It eventually results in this 41 yard field
1: goal, Deerside Hash. Cairo santos first field goal attempt puts total leather line drive thing and it is good he's perfect in his buccaneer career fire the cannon three times the bucks lead 10 to 6.
0: Cairo santos money for the second game in a row perfect on all his kicks that field goal from 41 yards out was the first field goal he's kicked now for the Buccaneers had the five extra points at the Meadowlands last week had the early extra point in this game kicks the 41 yarder there you've got a little breathing room again at 10 to 6 and yes the Buccaneer defense put things back together and began to play well uh, on the next drive and this is uh when things cranked up uh, in particular with the pass rush and a little bit of history here Mullins will take the snap. Play action fake, dropping the throw. Looks up. He's going to be sacked.
1: Dropped by Pierre Paul. He reaches double figures in sacks for the first time since Simeon Rice.
0: All oh, the Hall of Famer, Mean Gene Deckerhoff, on the call as Jason Pierre-Paul becomes the first Bucs since Simeon Rice in 2005 to end up with 10 or more sacks in a season. Now 10 and a half sacks to this point in the 2018 season. Still five games to go for JPP. Tip of the hat to him. What a great job uh, he has done in being able to rush the quarterback, the leadership he's provided for that defensive line. The Buccaneers, again, swarming uh, here with, uh, with the defensive pass rush, especially in that first half. So San Francisco... Ends up uh, suffering that sack. They end up having to give the ball back to the Buccaneers and uh, and punt the ball away. And as they do, Jameis Winston leads another drive in the two-minute offense. Bucks use their timeouts. He's able to uh, complete a couple passes: one to Cameron Break for nine yards, another one to Chris Godwin for ten yards, again to Break for 11 yards. And the Bucks move into scoring range. And just before halftime, Cairo Santos reliable again.
1: 39 yard field goal attempt. The hole by Brian Anger will be at the 29. This is a little bit longer than a point after try. Good snap. The spot. The kick is airboard and it is good. Tampa Bay Buccaneers fire them cannons three times. The Bucs lead by seven. It's 13 to six.
0: The important score there because it pushed the lead to a touchdown at 13 to six going to intermission. I talked with coach. Dirk Cutter walking to that locker room I said what are you the most impressed with out of this first half and he said defensively we're on it we're tackling we're staying in front of their guys we're getting pass rush on Mullins he was happy with that and he was happy in particular with the composure of Jameis Winston Jameis 18 of 24 in the opening half and leading the three scoring drives including the two-minute offense You, you can't say enough about how smooth he looked Uh, how he didn't try to do too much and force balls in and uh, did a great job with that. Now, coming out of the locker room, the 49ers would move into scoring position on their opening drive. They had gone some 78 yards to move inside the Buccaneer 5 and down to the 1, but they tried on 2nd and 1 to have Matt Breida, their running back, who went over 100 yards in the game to score. He's stuffed. Third and one, Mullins tried the up-and-over quarterback sneak, but uh, Vita Vea in there, along with Adarius Taylor and a couple of others, they stymie Mullins. So now it's fourth and one, and San Francisco was slated to go for it, but they get a false start penalty on the tight end, Greg Kittle. So now they decide, okay, we're not going to go for it on fourth and goal at the six-yard line. We're going to kick the field goal. And Robbie Gold banged that through. So, uh, again, give uh, give the 49ers the three points, but give the Buck defense credit. Rondé Barber is going to talk more about this later on on Nothing But Bucks. but that's a key moment. You keep them out of the end zone. The game is not tied. You give yourself some life, some momentum. The defense is certainly hyped after what they did. And then the offense picked right back up. When you talk about complementary football, that's the offense, the defense, picking each other up, working together, working in tandem. Bucks did a great job on this Sunday of complimentary football because here the defense was able to make the stop and not allow the 49ers to get the seven points, hold them to the field goal, and the offense immediately picked right up where they had left off in the first half, marched right down the field, 75 yards after the touchback in six plays. Again, it's Winston going long to Mike Evans for 34 yards. And uh, eventually, Peyton Barber runs for five. He runs for seven more. Uh, they get a pass interference call with Witherspoon, the defensive back, holding Deshaun Jackson on a long one. Bucks move inside the five yard line. And Peyton Barber does the rest here.
1: Eau Claire shifts in motion as a tight end. I formation with an H back. Allen Cross handoff to Barber. Left side
0: It is close. He's got a touchdown.
1: Tampa to Bay. Had the H-back in motion, fire them cannons. The Bucs score a TD on our first possession of the third quarter.
0: That two-yard touchdown again gives the Bucs a cushion. It's Barber's third rushing touchdown of the season. And Tampa Bay back in front now by 11 points at 20-9 to and feeling good about the way their defense uh, had been playing and would continue to play, including the rookie, the first-round pick out of Washington, Vita Veya. Uh, again, this is a, a young player who did not have any preseason game action, no real training camp, had a calf injury that sidelined him some seven weeks before he began to fully practice in the first couple of weeks of the season, was only active starting in the Chicago game. Well, Vea showed up early and often in this contest.
1: Here's the snap to Mullins looking up here, looking up. He's going to be lassoed, and Pierre-Paul hits him. Jason Pierre-Paul and Vita Vea. They meet at the quarterback and drop it. So that's back-to-back, bang-bang plays by Vita Vea, our rookie.
0: Yeah, he was part of that quarterback sack and ended up being a full sack for Vea, uh, sacking Nick Mullins in that instance. And again, Vea finishes with the sack, also had three other tackles for loss, Had had another play on a screen pass where as a defensive tackle, he goes rumbling down the line of scrimmage and makes a tackle, I believe it was on uh, Brita out of the backfield. May have been a small receiver out of the backfield. Great athletic play from him. Again, the Buccaneer defense all over San Francisco. They take the 20-9 to 9 cushion into the fourth quarter, and Jameis Winston would lead another touchdown drive. This one at the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, would be a 10-play, 85-yard drive, culminating early fourth quarter
1: right here. Cameron breaks to the left. Here's the snap. Winston has protection. It starts to break down. Rolling to his right. He throws the ball against his body. Wide open. Adam Humphreys to the 10. To the 5. Humphreys to the 3-2-1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Adam Humphreys. Fair than cannons.
0: Again, Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, and I on the broadcast on Buccaneers Radio, where you find these highlights on nothing but Bucks. Adam Humphreys, how good has that guy been throughout his career, but specifically over the last four or five weeks of football, another solid day from him, another touchdown scored for Humphreys. And the Bucks now in complete command at 27-9 in this one. You just you you got the sense being down. San Francisco is not going to be able to overcome 18 points here in the fourth quarter. Mullins doesn't have the arm strength and the downfield arm to make it happen. Uh, and eventually, here the Bucks put on more pressure on Mullins. Vita Vea coming up uh, with the sack for a seven-yard loss. We played you that highlight earlier. Uh, they end up having to punt. Buccaneers pick up a first down, run some of the clock. Uh, then San Francisco gets the ball back again with about 10 minutes left. The score still 27-9, and you know so much is being made about lack. of of turnovers from the Buccaneer defense the fact that the Buck defense had only overall forced five on the season one special teams takeaway five defensive takeaways and only one interception we talked on the pregame game coverage uh, coming into this game and sometimes they happen in bunches you get the pass rush on a quarterback you get him rattled you can start making plays the interceptions that's exactly what would happen here with San Francisco driving late in the game
1: the snap play action fake bootleg roll to his right, throws the ball toward the end zone. It is intercepted, it's picked off in the end zone by a Buccaneer. Ryan Smith has the first Buccaneer takeaway in a, two months.
0: Ryan Smith gets the second interception of the season for the Buccaneers, the first one uh, since going back to week three and the Pittsburgh Monday night game nullifies the drive Buccaneers able to run some clock at that point and basically putting this game away San Francisco got it one last time Mullins tried to get them into scoring range and sometimes the turnovers they do come in pairs or bunches
1: here's the snap and Mullins throws a little. It's, an inco- it's intercepted at the 10-yard line two takeaways of the game and Isaiah Johnson has his first career pick they come in bunches don't they they do
0: And it's Isaiah Johnson with that interception. Congratulations to him for coming down with the pick. Buccaneers do not turn it over. Have two takeaways in the game, plus two in the turnover margin. Thumbs up on a 27-9 complete victory when this one was uh, was all said and done. Now, one more highlight here. I mentioned some history for Jason Pierre-Paul earlier, and I teased this about Mike Evans. Didn't have the highlight in the game context, but let's go back to the first half of this contest where Mike Evans made a little Buccaneer and NFL history.
1: Here's the snap out of the gun. Looking, they run a stunt. Winston throws a pass downfield. It's a caught ball of the 40. First down, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Catch by Mike Evans. He has his 1,000-yard season. He one more yard, and he got a lot more. 13 matches his number, and the Bucs move the change. It's first to 10.
0: With that catch, Mike Evans over 1,000 yards for the fifth consecutive season to start his career, only the fourth player in NFL history to join that, including Randy Moss, who's just gone to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was the first to do it. Five straight 1,000-yard seasons. Mike Evans joins that elite company. Um, more than uh, than showing uh, what greatness he has inside of him his sixth 100 yard receiving game on the season already with still five games left. pro Bowl season right now for Mike Evans 116 yards on the six grabs didn't have a touchdown had that 42 yard catch in the first half two or three huge catches on third down for this team uh, again demonstrating he's one of the best weapons especially on third down and for big plays in the National Football League. Thumbs up to Mike Evans. On the win. And thumbs up to the Buccaneers. Again, snapping the losing streak, getting in the win column. Let's go to our conversations on the Hooters post game show and begin with quarterback Jameis Winston, 29 of 38, 312 yards. Most importantly, playing with that composure that we saw. No interceptions, had the two touchdown passes. Here's the Bucks QB. Uh, 29 of 38 day 312 yards and 2 touchdowns the win is the most important thing a complete victory uh, why was this team so good beginning to end today Jamis uh,
2: you know first of all I just like like to thank God for having you know the blessing to play again uh, but I mean we play great football and when you once you execute and you protect the football and you get turnovers on defense that's that's how you lead the wins
0: there were several keys today. One of them is you put together a touchdown drive in the third quarter that capped that capped off with Peyton Barber scoring from two yards out. How important was that for attitude, for cushion on the lead, etc.?
2: Uh, I think it was it was great for our momentum. Uh, defense had did a great job of holding them to three. In the previous drive, that was a very, very long uh, opening drive that they had, and uh, and we came up on the good side. So we got to credit that to the defense for giving us a ball and only allowing them to score three points. And uh, Payne Barber, man, he just keeps showing up every week because of our, our hard work and relentless offensive lineman. That was a six-play, 75-yard drive
0: to answer their score with a touchdown. You later in the game in the fourth quarter early on got one to Adam Humphreys for a touchdown. He did some of it after the catch. But, my goodness, describe what you saw rolling out there and firing back over the middle.
2: I just saw a wide open Adam Humphreys. He, like he, he always does that. Like you said, he always finds a way to get open, and he uh, and did, did the rest when he caught the ball with his legs.
0: You played with a lot of composure. You kept your eyes downfield. Uh, how relaxed were you as this game went on because you appeared to be very composed as the game rolled on.
2: Well, I mean, that's that's just how it is. You know, when things are going good, you want to keep it that way, but you never want to get too high, you never want to get too low. And when things are going bad, you, won't, you never want to get too low and you never want to get too high. So uh, our, our main goal right now is to uh, – look at the fam, see how we can improve from this game, and uh, come back and repeat the same thing next week. And one more, Mike
0: Evans goes over 1,000 yards for the fifth consecutive season. Four of those with you. Just say something about him overall, and he was good again today with another 100-yard catch day. Uh,
2: I, I think he's one of the best receivers in the game. Uh, again, I'm grateful to have him as a teammate, and I'm grateful that uh, I get, to get a chance to throw him the ball because he's definitely made me better. Uh, I hope I just do my part to continue to, to allow him to shine and, and do his thing.
0: And Winston, very much thankful. I can tell you from talking to him and looking at that face, I mean, he understands. He's got humility about all of this. He's back in the starting lineup. You take the win, Buccaneers get yet another home victory, their third one of the season. So Jameis was uh, was obviously thrilled with that. Another guy that was very happy, Cameron Brate. He's arguably the favorite target of Winston. How many times have they hooked up over and over again, especially in the red zone for touchdowns over the last four seasons? Brate finishing three catches, 26 yards on the first quarter touchdown in this game. I spoke with him in our Hooters post game show coverage. This was a pretty complete victory, maybe the most complete victory of the season. How and why were you guys so good as a team today?
3: Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, first and foremost, um, you got to say the defense played great. I mean, the Niners backs were against the wall uh, the whole game. It seemed like they were always in third and extra long. Um, so I think the defensive line kind of controlled the tempo of the game. Um, obviously, having no turnovers and also getting two interceptions uh, was huge for us. Um, uh, Like The whole year we've been minus in the turnover uh, battle every game. So uh, to finally win one uh, I think is probably the main reason why we were able to win the game.
0: Okay, all the way back in the first quarter you caught a touchdown pass from Jameis Winston. Seems like old times. He's finding you in the back of the end zone in the red zone. Describe the play.
3: Um, Yeah, it was just uh, pretty much just one-on-one. basically just find a way to get open. Um, and James did a nice nice job buying some time, he scrambled to the right, um, kind of just kept working with the quarterback and he was able to put a good ball on me, he was able to hold on. Uh, it's just something we always practice. Uh, something Coach Monk always says, uh, scrambles our number one play in our offense, um, Just always works out that way, uh, pocket collapses, quarterback's gonna be you know, rolling out looking for guys. So it's something we always work on. we able to hit a couple of them today. The one to Adam was the same way.
0: We have asked you about this on many occasions. You talked about it this week. The extra work after practice, not just this season, but for the last three or four years. How beneficial is that in situations like that scramble where you've worked with this guy countless times after practice on route depth, get open, that kind of stuff?
3: Right, it's just, all, all feel and, uh, and trust down there in the red zone because the windows are going to be really tight. Uh, it's usually going to be some sort of man coverage. So, you know, Jameis has a lot of faith in me to get open down there. and. Uh uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a, a testament to all the work we put in the past couple of years. And
0: one more for this team, uh, you know, again, a confidence builder for Jameis Winston, too. I mean, he's played a lot of great games, but he played very composed today, accurate, 29 of 38, leads uh, you guys again to three more touchdown drives and 27 total points. Just say something about the way the offense clicked and the way that Jameis settling back in as a starter play.
3: Uh, I thought Jameis was awesome. Um, you know, he even the nine incompletions he had, I'm – he hits, you know, I would say probably almost 100% of those throws. Uh, I, I'm sure he wishes he had some of those back. Uh, I thought he played great. Um, obviously, he gave the receivers a chance to make some plays downfield, uh, but he didn't. He didn't put us in a situation where we were the ball was going to be in the air at all. You know, 50-50 ball or anything like that, uh, which is why we didn't turn the ball over. Um, I thought the offensive line did a great job. Uh, it seemed like he always had a pretty clean pocket, and uh, like you said, this is just kind of a building building block. Hopefully, we can uh, build off this and, and get something going here.
0: Part of a Buccaneer day where five different receivers caught at least three passes, whether that be Braid or Deshaun Jackson with three of them, Jacquiz Rogers with four of them, Chris Godwin with four, actually it's six total that had at least three catches, Adam Humphreys, Mike Evans with six each, and the Buccaneers uh, devastated San Francisco in the pass game throughout this contest, so uh, again, give a lot of credit. Uh, to them all right let's go to the defensive side of the ball we mentioned Vita Vea I enjoy talking with him uh, whenever we get the chance for the rookie first round pick out of Washington the Mammoth defensive tackle really uh, played his best game as a Buccaneer but better than me saying that uh, we're going to hear Rondé Barber say more about that we're going to hear the head coach say some about it here in just a minute but Rondé Barber later on in the podcast here's the Bucs rookie defensive tackle the, the way this team played a complete game almost a statement game uh say something about the way that this thing went today uh, a decisive win
4: shoot it was awesome <laughs> it was awesome you know just just great
0: you uh you in particular we saw some plays especially as this game wore on the defensive line was having a lot of success let's talk about the line and and the uh, the job that you guys did against them
4: uh just hustling to the ball you know just uh, Coach Buck always tells just run, you know. Just, they just keep it simple, you know. Um, don't make it too hard on yourself. Um,
0: uh, it's just simple running the ball. Hey, uh, one thing that has been stressed is you didn't have a training camp. You didn't have preseason. You didn't play your first game until week. Four. Not making excuses, but you've begun to obviously play more, get more into football shape and game speed. How much? Not that it's easy, but how much easier has it become in the last two or three weeks because you've played a bunch now over the last couple months?
4: Uh, shoot, it's just been really great. You know, um, just really fun coming out there and just uh,
0: you know just competing every week. Hey, for this team, I know offense did a lot of this. Uh, how much better does it make it for a defense? It's obvious that when you have a lead, it's good. But how much better does it make it when you're up by two scores? It's the fourth quarter, the crowds in the game, et cetera?
4: Uh It just, it just, um, it just makes everyone like hyped, you know, and just, uh, and just, uh, just makes everything fun, you know, going out there and competing. Um, you know, every week is fun for us going out there and play. Uh, going out there and playing, so, um, you know, going out there and playing today and getting that win makes it much that much better.
0: He's within earshot of us. Jason Pierre-Paul just became the first Buccaneer since 2005 to have 10 or more sacks in a season, and we still got f- five more games to go after this one. What is it like to be around that veteran, a guy that's been in the Pro Bowl, a guy that's won a Super Bowl? What's it like in the meeting room, the practice field, and on Sundays?
4: Shoot, he's balling. You know, it's <laughs> – uh,
0: Getting it done.
4: <laughs> he's getting it done. Check uh make sure you guys check out Bo's uh new attire. But no, uh, you know, he's been uh really great to be around and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, again, you've got to be very encouraged uh with the sack, with uh, Vea also with three other tackles for loss. It was all over the stat sheet and uh and making his presence felt. He is a handful uh in the middle of that defense and and starting to develop. Uh, into a better player than what we have seen coming around some. And again, more from Rondé Barber in a little bit. Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, again, acquired in the trade from the New York Giants in the offseason. What would he have left in the tank? What would he be able to do? Well, Pierre-Paul has been brilliant. He's been outstanding as a pass rusher. And eclipsed the 10-sack in a season mark for the Buccaneers. Double-digit sacks for the first time since Simeon Rice. Great category to be in. So on our Hooters post game show, we were talking with Jason Pierre-Paul. I got a microphone in there with the media, started asking some questions, and then someone, a fellow linemate, decided to jump in on the interview. So we get a two for one on our Hooters post game show with JPP and another Buccaneer defensive lineman whose voice you'll recognize.
5: I just think, uh, I just think my my work, you know, my work effort says a lot. You know, uh, everybody see it. Um I'm always a guy that, that always loved the work and you know, coming out here I just love the game of football. And uh, I play it with fun, man. And that's that's just what it is. You know, of course you're gonna make a mistake and you know what I mean you're not sometimes you're not gonna get the right call or whatever. But at the end of the day just have fun with it and I told the guys that's that and that's what we having fun. Have you
3: Second, ever met before?
2: or talked to semi or
5: never. I never met.
3: Second week in a row you
2: got banged up. How's the knee feeling uh, after this game?
5: I'm good. Oh. I'm okay. Sorry. But I'm okay, man. Uh, I always say, as long as I finish the game, I'm okay, man. Uh, If I can't go, I'm not going to go. But I'm not that type of guy. I'm always putting myself first out there, and, you know, it's all for a team. You know, uh, that's just me. You know, even with the banged up knee, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's just a mindset, man. That's just nothing but simple pain, that's it.
0: Jason, we're live on the Buccaneers Radio Network. We missed the answer about getting the 10th sack, which is the first time since 2005. Can you repeat again? What does it mean to have accomplished that?
5: I forgot what I said. (laughs) It's a big deal. deal. Yeah, there you go. Appreciate it, baby. There you go. There you go.
6: It's pretty cool. Uh,
5: There you go. There you go.
6: Listen. Oh, definitely. Right here? I've been here a long time, okay? And for me to see this happen is very special. He's going to play it, downplay it. I'm not. It's very special. Something we haven't seen in a long time, man. This dude deserves everything coming his way, and I love him. Appreciate it. Yeah, Love to
5: see he it. He did. Actually, Jerry was the, the most emotional I kinda one. I kind of got emotional yeah. when he got
6: his 10 seconds. Yeah. I'm gonna be real with you, because <laughs> yeah. I and then he just, got one after that. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. yeah, much of this is just kind of the brotherhood along the defensive line? Obviously, you've been in it, but to have him come along and, and you're all in it for each other. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what the, that's what everything. Dang. You did I just talk? jump in his interview? No, 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 I no. no. My hey, no, hey, you no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just we. That's what we do it for. We always play with If you notice, when they introduce us today, what do we do today? We came out as a unit. Yeah. That's just who we are. That's what we're going to be moving forward. And that was the difference today, man. We just play as a unit, play for the man next to you, not selfishly. And yeah. When the man next to you eat, it makes Everybody you feel needs. that much better. Yeah. You know. So that's why I got emotional when I seen him get that 10-sack because I just wanted somebody to get I don't care who get it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But for him to come in. Honestly, I'm just be real, for him to get treated like he got treated in the off season. I'm glad he's with us. Yeah. You know, I, to nah, I
0: appreciate here. it, Joe. Jason, was this the most complete victory of the season?
5: Man, victory is a victory. I don't care if it was complete, halfway. You know, we got it. You know, we on the Carolina and that's what's up with us. You know, um and they're coming in strong and we coming and we coming strong too. It's our house. So you know, uh, we should have the home field advantage, and we uh, want we most definitely, we need every fan out. You know, it's kind of empty out there today, but still love the fan support, but we need everybody here. You know what I mean? If we're going to do it, we got to do it everybody. just can't, you know, if we're losing, you know, take off. But we need everybody here, and, and that's what's going to help us win.
0: And I can tell you from standing there, give credit uh, whereas I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul uh, was standing there trying to be humble, and it was it was Gerald McCoy showing you what a, a brotherhood, as he described it, it is with those defensive linemen. He wanted to jump in and say a few words about JPP, what he's meant, and what the defensive line as a unit has been able to do as the sacks continue to pile up. Remember, this Buccaneer team was last in the NFL sacks a year ago. You're right now in the mid-range of sacks, which is good improvement. And Jason Pierre-Paul is one of the top sack guys in the NFL, with 10.5 of them now coming uh, on the season and still five games to go. And uh, Gerald McCoy uh, standing there almost had a tear in his eye when he was talking to us about how much it meant. That they, he was emotional about all of this. So, again, uh, credit to the Bucks for the job that they were able to do in neutralizing the 49ers, especially that, that goal line stop on second and goal and third and goal, and then forcing the 49ers to kick the field goal early in the third and the sacks and the two interceptions at the end. Complete performance, and as you can imagine, a happy head coach, Dirk Cutter, and I had to uh, talk about this victory, and he had a smile on his face on Sunday. 27-9 is the final. Same question I've posed to some other guys. Was this the, the most complete win of this season, the way you did what you did today?
7: Well, we played well in all phases. You know, we our, our kicking game was solid today. Our defense you hold anybody in the NFL to nine points, that's an accomplishment. And then offensively twenty seven and, and no turnovers. Winning the turnover battle I think I think as far as a complete team win that's that's the best we've had, yes. The 49ers, we talked
0: to you at halftime, they come out and this may get lost in the in the grand scheme of what happened in the second half. They have an opportunity inside the one-yard line with a couple of cracks. Your defense is able to stop them. They don't get seven. They only get three. You then get the ball and go down and get seven. How big of a momentum swing were those two situations?
7: Yeah, we wanted to start that second half strong. And we went out there and held them. And then we had that penalty at, on, on third down that gave them their first first down. They put a few plays together. If they would have got a touchdown there, I think that, that would have maybe shifted the momentum a little bit before we even touched the ball. But. Uh, It's hard to stop an NFL team on the one-yard line, and uh, that was a great job by our defense doing it, and then it was a good job answering by the offense.
0: All right, we're going to talk about some players individually and a lot of superlatives. Let's start with Jameis Winston, who, again, was 29 of 38 in the game, his third 300-yard game of the season. Uh, When At field level, what do I know? Looking at it, he played with composure, kept his eyes downfield. What did you see out of your quarterback's play today? I
7: thought Jameis played an uh, uh, excellent game. He he uh, he made the plays he should make. He scrambled when he needed to scramble. Uh, he made really good decisions with the football all day, all day long. And so uh, decision-making was key for Jameis, and uh, he put the ball on the money. There's a couple throws you'd, you'd always like to have back, but also he made a couple plays that that were off script, that those are all Jameis making plays on his own. So I thought I thought Jameis played a heck of a game and, and showed why he he uh, has the talent to be one of the best in the league when he plays like that.
0: Another guy that goes in that category of one of the best in the league is Mike Evans, sixth 100-yard game of his season, fifth straight year with 1,000 yards. Uh, receiving to start his career. Only three other guys have done that. Just say something about the way he played today and what he means to this offense.
7: Well, you just said it. I mean, five straight thousand yard seasons and only three guys in the history of the league have done it. So that says a lot right there. Uh, Mike getting that big play on our first touchdown drive, that that really got us going. I mean, that, that was probably the play of the day. And uh, you know, Mike. To, Mike was—he's uh, he's always coming through for us. And I thought our receivers in general uh, played a good game. Uh, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys—we just we missed Deshaun a couple times when we had him, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, Mike. Mike always comes up big. Uh, Another guy, Jason Pierre-Paul, who becomes the first Buck since
0: 2005 to go over 10 sacks in a season and still five games to go. We've asked you about him a lot, but he he keeps showing up, made another huge effort today, including battling back from injury.
7: What about his play today and really all season, Coach? Well, just to put that in perspective, JPP didn't take one snap in practice this week. He was out the whole week, uh, was nursing multiple injuries and then to go out there and and give it up like he does on game day and and get the sack it's a big monkey off everybody's back. The whole ten sack thing—that's something that's, uh, you know, I know been kind of hanging over everybody's head for a while. And so, the, so that part's that part's awesome. But JPP, I think what he does is he invigorates the rest of the D line. Uh, Carl Nassib, Vita Vea, easily had his best game of the season today. Was you could see you could see the the number one pick in Vita Vea today. And then, I, like I said, I thought in the first half I thought Carl Nassib was was uh, everywhere. And we haven't even talked about Gerald McCoy yet. So uh, J. JPP has brought a lot to our team.
0: You read my mind on Vita Veo. Something that uh, Gerald just interjected when we were talking to JPP a minute ago is they are a unit, he called it a brotherhood, they even wanted to be introduced as a defensive line when we had the introductions uh, and Gerald McCoy got introduced last, everybody ran out there with him. What does that say for the camaraderie of that unit And and it obviously is translating with their production
7: too? Yeah, well, I'm proud of all the guys that have hung together in you know a somewhat of a disappointing season, and the guys have hung in there. And wins are not easy to come by, and the guys competed hard today, and uh, it, it was they, they get rewarded by playing a clean football game. We get the W.
0: All right, and one more. It is a victory. I know you're going to tell me that, but it's a victory that gets you a win in the first of three home games, and so now you get two division opponents coming right after this victory, and obviously it can give you some momentum. It should give you some momentum for this week and the next two weeks, right?
7: Yeah, sure, and, uh, you know, we got Carolina next week, and, you know, obviously when you play these teams twice in your division, uh and you know you you get beat by him the first time that, that's a little extra motivation for the guys and uh i know uh, we always we always play tough within our division and and uh we feel like we, we're in the best division in football and our uh, you know guys are going to enjoy this one for 24 hours and we'll start worrying about carolina coach
0: thank you congratulations All right thanks as you can imagine a pleasant sunday night as he was saying enjoy it for 24 hours now get ready for carolina and look Uh, This is the truth, and I'll I'll probably say this again before we close out. It is a win, and San Francisco is one of the worst teams in the league. That's a given. But you know what you do? We're going to talk about this with Rondé Barber here in just a second. You you bop bad teams. You beat the bad teams. And the Bucs decisively beat the 49ers on Sunday. That's what they were supposed to do. If you want to climb back into the NFC playoff race, which is going to take a ton of work, it's going to take two huge performances in the next two weeks. It had to start with something, and it started with an impressive performance against San Francisco. Let's see if the Bucs can build on that as they're now four and seven on the season with five games remaining. All right, without further delay, better than me continuing uh, to give you my thoughts and my insight uh, on this, I'd rather hear from the guy that was working the game on Fox with Kenny Albert. Let's go now on Nothing But Bucks to a special guest. Uh, A voice that you're going to recognize. Sit back and enjoy Rondé Barber. Oh, as advertised, I've been looking forward to getting the chance to talk to this gentleman. Got a chance to see him on Sunday for the Buccaneers and the 49ers. Does a great job with the NFL on Fox coverage. He and Kenny Albert on their crew were in town for the win by the Bucs over the 49ers. Always good to have Rondé Barber on. We've done this once or twice before. Thank you for agreeing to hop on the Nothing But Bucks podcast and let's just start right at the beginning. Impressive win for the Buccaneers. Yes, San Francisco struggling, but look, you're supposed to take care of business at home and the Bucs were impressive. At least that's what I thought. That's what I've been talking about. I'd love to have your take. Welcome, sir.
8: Well, it's always good to be on with you, TJ. Anytime, whenever you need me, you know that. <laughs> but yes, I agree. Uh, this was a game that came in feeling that they should have won, and, and they did. It, it was a couple of points in the game where, you know, the, the San Francisco had a chance to get back in. That goal line stand, I don't think you can talk about this football game without talking about those four plays down on the goal line or three plays down on the goal line where they held them and then fortunately they got the false start San Francisco decided to kick the field goal. But that would have made it a 13-13 game. And, and who knows? This, that kid Nick Mullins, the quarterback for San Francisco, is a little bit of a gamer. Uh, just the film that I watched going into that, he finds ways to keep his team in, even though he's not what you would call overly talented. Uh, but he's a good quarterback. But you know, that being said, credit goes to to, to the defense today, uh, or you know, for on uh, that game on Sunday. Um, I thought they played really well. They were
6: consistent.
8: Um, they got a great push up front. We had a bunch of Vea sightings, uh, which was nice to see. And the pass rush showed up. You know, we know what JPP has been all season long. He's first guy double digit sacks and, since I was playing. Um, and then Carl Nassib, he continues to shine for me. I, I love looking at. Players, unexpected players shine, and he and he's continuing to do that. Um, but that 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 to me was the key to the game. But the most impressive thing in the game is Jameis Winston. I mean, you can't say uh, enough about how well he played uh, in that game, protecting the football, of course, making a bunch of off schedule throws and smart decisions with the football. Um, and I think if you're a Bucs fan, that's that's what, that's what it should look like. Uh, there's enough talent in this team for it to look like that. Um, every single week. Now, like you said, San Francisco's a little bit depleted team, uh, but it was a game they should have won, and they did. I think they went out and handled the business like they like they were supposed to.
0: The word I used before you came on with Jameis was composure, and I used it on the radio broadcast a couple of times. I was just very impressed. I mean, he's got physical tools and talent, but the composure, not getting freaked yeah. out by the rush, not doing anything crazy with the ball, that just stood out to me. What about you?
8: I totally Agree with you, and yeah, I think the the knock on Jameis, without question, has been him trying to do too much, trying to push the ball into places that he has no business doing, and it's it's frustrating, you know, as an analyst and you know as a still a fan of the of the team I played 16 year with, uh, watching him make those type of mistakes. Um, I said in the, the top of our broadcast, he's got to be able to mitigate them. I didn't know that he would go out and completely eliminate him, el- eliminate them, which he did. Uh, It was impressive. Um, Talking to him early in the week before the game, the one thing he said to us, and I've heard him say it a couple of times since, is I just need to be simple with the ball. And to me, being simple with the ball is not trying to be a hero with every single throw. Because we know he can do it. it, 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 You get tired of talking about how talented he is. Um, But to win in the NFL, um, uh, you know this, quarterbacks have to be above-the-net players. Uh, And I thought he did a great job of being above-the-net quarterback uh, on Sunday, and uh, it was it was it was it was a pleasure. It was nice to watch um, watch him play the position like it really should be played.
0: You know, uh, you mentioned Vita Vea, and you you worked the preseason broadcast with Channel Eight yep. for the Buccaneer fans. And we didn't get to see Vita Vea at all, really, in training camp. Only a practice, I think, before he injured the calf. Maybe two. Didn't play any preseason yep. games. Didn't play till the fourth regular season game. And look, uh, you know, I'm not gonna make excuses. He has not shown up on the stat sheet. He has not made impact plays, but man, we saw him five, six, seven times in this game today. You would be better to speak to it than me here on the podcast. Sometimes yeah. you gotta round into it. You gotta get acclimated. It's not college football anymore. You didn't have preseason, you didn't have a training camp, Ronde.
8: Yeah, just we'll talk to those you know, those guys in the front office. If there was one thing About Vita, that you know was a question mark, and this is by no means a question mark. They said he was too nice. A lot of people say he's just a nice guy. But on Sundays, I was joking with, you know, Jason Light. I was like, look, on Sundays you can be nice outside of football. John Lynch is the nicest person I've ever been around. On Sundays (laughs) he was a maniac. You know, people don't know that I was a mean guy on Sundays. But you got to be able to get. To that side, it was nice to see him. You talk about not showing up on the stat sheets. I mean, I was looking at his stats, getting ready for the game, just you know, perusing the numbers or whatnot. He had three tackles, three tackles and a sack, and you know, really, it, it, it's not the return that you want from a guy that you pick that highly. Um, but you know, the, the reports are out that Jason Light had a talk with them, and you know, I'm sure those those talks should stay confidential, and whatnot. But, like, but he went out and played with a purpose. He played forward and he played fast. Um, and that's what he is. There's not an offensive guard or tackle in the NFL or center, for that matter, that could take his direct push. Uh, he's just too heavy. He's too strong. Uh, and you saw that on Sunday. He just he ran through tackles. He sacked. He ran right through All-Pro left tackle Joe Staley. Um, you know that, that's what you expect from that guy. It and was, it was nice to see it happen. Now, the question for Vita is: Can he continue to do that? I mean, the the, the knock on him in, in training camp preseason. He came in a little, he was a little out of shape. And, and then th- that hurt his ability to get ready to play. And then when he started to practice, he got hurt because of it. So it's nice to see that he's actually, you know, finding his, I don't know, way, his, his rhythm, practice-wise, staying in shape, being a professional. Those things are all about being professional. Uh, and I think once you get that down as a young player, it starts to show up on the field.
0: I have been around you for a long time. I've asked you a lot of things. I may have asked you this, but I don't remember the answer. But I think it's a great parallel to what we're talking about with Vita Vea. You came in as a rookie, and it did not yeah. click right away. But eventually it not did click. And so I wonder, at what point did it click and and become easier for you in Monty Kiffin and Tony Dungy's defense? How did that come about for you?
8: Yeah, well, it, it, that's it's a good point you make, TJ, because people don't really remember my first year of my 16 <laughs> they've only recalled the 15 really good ones. the, the first one was not as bad as it can be and it, I only played one football game uh before I played in the, the last playoff game because we had uh because of what I had shown due to, during the course of the year but I, I would say it was it was after I played against Arizona and played really poorly and realized that uh I wasn't the guy that I Expected was expecting of myself, and I knew I had to change. Um And some of that was getting in better shape. You know, I lost some weight. I came in a <laughs> came in a camp heavy. You know, I think I was like 191 because I felt like I needed to be a bigger player to play in the NFL. Well, it, it totally mitigated my speed and quickness and all the athleticism that made me a good player in college. So, you know, it, it, learning how to manage myself and take care of my body, I learned that pretty quick because of the failures that I had to start my career. Um, but it really turned me into a pro really quickly. Um, so by the end of that, that year, I, I started to get it. I was practicing really really well. And I remember Herman Edwards came up to me after uh, we beat Detroit in that, that playoff game that year, in the divisional playoff game. I'm sorry, the wild card playoff game. He's like, you're going to be really happy this week. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to get ready for 1998. I, I kind of washed out 97. And he said, you're going to be our nickel uh, 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 against Green Bay, at Green Bay. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I'm ready, you know, and and, and I was. And it really jump-started – that jump-started my 1998 season, and that's when I started to make a name for myself, started making a bunch of plays. Um, It it takes time. I've said this many, many times with young players. There's no right or wrong way to measure when you're going to be ready. Um, Getting out and playing and learning on the job, is sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um, you know, for me, it probably would have been bad. Uh, so I got a chance to learn how to be a pro away from live action, and it helped me. Vita's had to play. Since he's been back, he's had to play. I've had some injuries up there. Um, uh, he, he's had to find his way during the season while trying to really get back in shape and, and be the guy that he was at Washington. Um, so, yeah, it's week 12, and it looks like he might be that guy. I, I have, I have this, the Bucs the next two weeks, and I'm sure next week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Vita Vea in, in a meeting and just and have a conversation with him. Just find out where he is and in, in his progression. And uh, I think if you're a Bucks fan, you should be excited about what you saw. But, you know, it, it needs to continue. It needs to continue to progress. It needs to continue to get better uh, because, like I said, with that strength and his power, he can be a dominant defensive tackle in this league.
0: Voice of Rondé Barber, love me some two o. I've always loved being around this guy, getting to do radio with him for his illustrious buck career. No one in Buccaneer history, here I go with the roll calls, played in more games, 241 for the Buccaneers than Rondé Barber, 232 games started is the most, 47 interceptions is the most. 14 defensive touchdowns is the most from Rondé Barber. He's the only player in the history of the NFL with 45 interceptions and at least 25 sacks. So the accolades are there. The credibility is there. When this man talks, be quiet and listen, especially to defensive (laughs) football in Tampa Bay. Hey, a couple fun ones. Uh, You got notified again this week along with 24 others. You're a semifinalist for the upcoming yeah. Uh, 2019 Hall of Fame class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What does that mean to you? Second year in a row that that has happened. It's not the finalist yeah. round. It's not ultimately getting tabbed. But what does it mean to to be one of the 25?
8: Yeah, I, I continue to say it's a process. I mean, I, it's nice to be in that conversation. That's what I always say. You know, people recognize you know that uh, what I did over. 16 years, and the numbers mean something, and the play means something. And if people that you know want to talk about, you know, measuring apples, apples, oranges, oranges, or apples, oranges, or whatever, uh, I I I always say like you can't define a player by that. Go put the film on and really see. Um, so I, 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 it's it's nice to, to know that some of those names, the Tony Gonzalez's are on there, Ed Reed's, you know, the legendary names from my playing days that that I'm in that classification with them and. Um yeah, I, I know it's a tough deal. Look, John Lynch has been a finalist five years in a row and hasn't got in. Uh it's a, it's an illustrious distinction to be named uh to the Hall of Fame, to actually get your bust in Canton. But to be, you know, one of the guys, one of the twenty five guys for the second year in a row, um, is uh it, it's an honor. I'm truly humbled by it. Um and you know, one day I hope it works out for me.
0: <laughs> And I believe that it will. And Buck fans, I know, are excited. They're listening along on this podcast that just like with with Warren Sapp, with Derek Brooks and with coach Tony Dungy, that John Lynch and Rondé Barber deserve to be there and someday that you will be there. So we look forward to that. Hey, I can't get used to this. And, and you have uh, probably done a couple of 49er games before mm-hmm. this past Sunday. But to see John Lynch in the front office yeah. of the 49ers, I mean, I know when he when he went to Denver, now we're dating ourselves I'm dating myself 15 years ago. I was in that yeah. visiting locker room when he came back and played the Buccaneers, and it was bizarro world because Denver had beaten the Bucks, and John Lynch is playing for Denver, and he went on to have a good career with four Pro Bowls yeah. in Denver, so he had to get used to it. He wasn't a Buck anymore. But to see him walking around in a suit in the press box at Raymond James and go into the 49ers' <laughs> coaches' booth as the GM, it is still weird for me. Yeah. You were arm-in-arm arm with him for the better part of about 12 years together. Or something like that. Ten, twelve years. Is it still bizarre for you to look at John Lynch as the GM of the Forty ers like it is for me and others?
8: Yeah, but it, but it's good to see it too. You know, it, it, as people, we all evolve, right? And uh, you know, we go from being football players, and that we know how select that group is—guys that actually get to play professional football. It's special to be able to do that. Uh, and then for him, transitioning, uh, much you know, transitioning to TV. Ah, uh, being a play-by-being uh, a color analyst for for Fox, uh, I followed his footsteps because he kind of told me I could probably be good at it, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it too. Um, but yeah, seeing him as a GM, it, it's just the evolution of John Lynch. I mean, it's what you'd expect from the guy. John's such a, a, a heady football guy. When I used to listen to him call games, being in the room with him too for all those years, but listening to him call games, just how he could talk football, uh, let you know his understanding of the game and the ins and outs of. Front office and you know personnel and all that stuff. He was there already, and uh, he spent that, those time uh, those years in Denver. He got to know John Elway, who was you know their GM, ex-player, obviously, uh, in the transition that it will require. And so it wasn't surprising me when he did it. Um, it's 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 nice to see his success. To be honest with you, I know he's got a long way to go with that football team. He's Still learning on the job, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good. To, it's good to see him, even though I know he's, it's, he's not, he's not a buck anymore. He's always a buck at heart. Uh, but yeah, he's just moved on with his life. And I think it's, it's great. The funny, the funny thing, TJ, when I was up there, uh, halftime, just go out and, you know, get some food or whatever. And, uh, John walks out of his booth and guess who walks out right behind him. Derek Brooks. I'm like, what are you doing in their booth, What are you doing in their booth Derek? <laughs> you know, and they, they would just they would just catch it up or whatever and uh uh but it was uh, it was good. I know Derek has similar aspirations you know, having been with uh with the temporary storm or whatever. Um but yeah, it's uh it's uh, it's a natural evolution of, of and not many guys get a chance to do it, but I'm glad that John's getting the opportunity to do it because I think he... a good football mind that he can make that organization successful
0: i love it and i love getting to talk with ronde barber you've been gracious with your time buck fans are going to be excited we're going to see you and hear you with kenny albert on the upcoming game with carolina three straight home games for the bucks one in the win column already now carolina and new orleans coming up We'll see three, if three home
8: games with us too. How
0: about Thank that? You. So R- Ronde Ronde gets to to not be on the airplane, not be in the hotel. He's in the casa de Ronde, yeah. he's on the golf course if he wants yeah. on a day off. I mean, that's good uh for the hey, upcoming I, preparation I, on this. We love it.
8: I I, I expect uh like good uh, uh vibes cuz I did uh Philadelphia, that's a win. I did Cleveland, that's a win. <laughs> San Francisco.
0: It's a win. So I mean while I we're know, taking credit for things, I'm I'm totaling up. That's like three of the four wins. So I'm I'm liking all of that if this uh if this continues and, and this rolls around. Listen, it is always a treat to talk with you. Thank you for giving me some time on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Uh keep up the great work on the T V and uh we always root for Ronde Barber. Thank you, sir.
8: Thank you, TJ. Good being with you, buddy.
0: Always love talking to that man. And again, one of the 25 Hall of Fame finalists will find out who, uh, semi-finalists, will find out who the 15 finalists are, and then they will narrow that down to seven, maybe eight players that will go into the Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton next summer, next August. So uh, January will be the time when that gets whittled down. And then we'll find out on that vote Super Bowl weekend on who ends up going in. Of course, Ira Kaufman, the longtime writer with the Tampa Tribune, now does a bunch of different things on the Internet and also on television locally with Fox 13. Saw him as part of the postgame coverage there yesterday on Fox 13 with Scott Smith. And uh, there's Scott Smith, not Buccaneers.com, Scott Smith and Ricky Reynolds uh, talking about this Buccaneer team. Ira Kaufman is the guy that makes those presentations as the Hall of Fame voter and presenter from this market he did that for Derek brooks for warren Sapp, for tony dungy he's been doing it for john lynch as well where lynch played most of his career here as we were talking about with ronde lynch now with the 49ers as a gm but his hall of fame candidacy is being pitched by ira kaufman and i know that uh, that ira has said to me on more than one occasion uh, i'll do my Ira voice he's got a hey reeves he's got a strong he's got a strong case reeves he's got a strong case ronde barber he definitely has a strong case Yes, he does. And let's see what the uh, the other voters on the Hall of Fame, there's some 75 of them that are former uh, writers, uh, et cetera, and are Hall of Fame committee members that will talk about that and analyze that coming up. So uh, let's see if, if Rondé makes the cut to the final 15. John Lynch, again, has been a finalist for the last six years, semi-finalist for the last six years, finalist for the last five years. Let's see on, uh, on his argument... Um, what ends up happening here on him being a finalist again and maybe getting into the Hall of Fame as part of that dungeon deal. Wouldn't it be special? Wouldn't it be wild if both of them somehow get put in? this? Go- not likely, with a lot of different... I mean, a year ago, you had the likes of Ray Lewis and Randy Moss and Brian Erlacher on the first ballot of the Hall of Fame. So you knew those guys were going to get most of the votes. It's it, It's not as... Um, clear-cut, bona fide first ballot guys. So let's see what happens. Maybe Lynch gets in. Maybe Barber gets in. Maybe they both get in here over the course of the next couple of years. We will find out. We do know this, as we talked about with Rondé. He's sticking on the TV call with Kenny Albert for this week. We will be on the radio call with the Carolina Panthers in a rematch. Oh, looky here. Carolina, since the win over the Bucs, has lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've lost to the Detroit Lions, missing the two-point conversion. And how about the Seahawks and Russell Wilson leading a game-winning field goal drive in the final seconds. Sebastian Janikowski, the ageless kicker talking about a guy that's 40-plus years of age still making field goals. He beat the Panthers with a field goal yesterday where the Panthers were feeling good at 6-2. They are now 6-5. and five. And hear me out here, Buccaneer fans, you want to show up, you want to be loud. I was in Charlotte on the game broadcast, and the Panther fans were going berserk and in a lot of ways making fun of our Buccaneers for an easy win uh, with a lot of those big plays they had, the Curtis Samuel double reverse where the Bucs couldn't tackle him. It was ugly for a lot of that game. Now Ryan Fitzpatrick rallied the Bucks and got within a touchdown in the second half, but you want the Buck fans to get there, be loud, uh, be all over Cam Newton and the Panthers because again, hear me out. You win this game on Sunday, you are now relevant in the playoff conversation with 4 weeks to go. I I am not saying that you uh, you basically have to win out. You're going to have to be 9 and 7. But you can't get to 9 and 7 if you're not 5 and 7. To get to 5-7, and seven, you have to beat Carolina, drop them to 6-6, six and six, and now you're in the conversation, speaking of the Seahawks, with they and the Packers, and uh, over in the East with the Cowboys, uh, with the Eagles. You've got to look around here with the Atlanta Falcons, who you'll see at the very end of the year. And, and again, in the South, uh, the Falcons and the Panthers are still playing each other. The Panthers and the Saints are still playing each other. Take care of business with Carolina and now you are playoff relevant for the month of December for this game coming up with the Saints in two weeks. So that'll be the task coming Sunday. We'll be on the air at noon with our pregame coverage on Buccaneers Radio. My thanks again to Steve Carney, helping me with the highlights and the interviews, Jeff Ryan and everybody there at Buccaneers Radio and Buccaneers.com. Again, if you have not already subscribed to this podcast, whether you found it on the Buccaneers mobile app or Buccaneers.com, subscribe via iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found. Look it up. Nothing But Bucks is the name of it. And this podcast, the advantage of the subscription is as soon as it is posted, through the Buccaneers mobile app, you will get a ding on your device, on your iPad, on your phone, that will let you know brand new Nothing But Bucks on the Monday after these Sunday games. It's up, it's live, and you're going to get a chance to hear all of the highlights, the post-game interviews, and even special guests. My thanks to Rondé Barber again for being with me on this show. So subscribe again to Nothing But Bucks on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, and on Google Play, as well as finding it on the Buccaneers mobile app and Buccaneers.com. That'll do it from uh, this matchup, this win over the 49ers. Bucks now four and seven. It'll be Carolina as the opponent for an NFC South rematch Sunday. We're on the air at noon on the Buccaneers radio network. One o'clock kickoff from Raymond James Stadium. Get out, be in full force. Bucks try to climb off the canvas some more here. Get into the NFC playoff picture. They can do that with a win, and we look forward to talking about it next week here on Nothing But Bucks.